0: Okay. Good morning, everyone. This is Judge Lopez. We'll get started in just one minute. Okay. Conference, muted. Okay. Good. Morning, everyone. This is Judge Lopez. Today is October twenty third. I'm going to call the ten o'clock case status conference in twenty two nine zero three four one. Core Scientific, Inc. At Al. Um, it's about ninety people on the line, so I've enacted the uh, mute feature. If you know you're going to be speaking today, why don't you hit five star, and I will unmute your line. Um. Yeah, and if you just want to make an appearance, um, we now have a link on my homepage uh, to make a Chapter 11 appearance. In this case, why don't you just jump on the Southern District of Texas website and make an appearance there electronically as well. Uh, The purpose of today um, is just to have a status conference. Obviously, I was assigned to this case very recently. I wanted to get up to speed as quickly as possible. I've been doing a lot of reading, but I thought it made sense to just have a short hearing so someone can kind of at least tell me from everyone's perspective kind of where we are, where we're going, and what you need from the court. So I'm going to start by taking appearances in the courtroom, and then I will uh, open it up on the phone line. Uh, Once I unmute your line, I just ask that you please monitor yourselves. I'm just going to keep your line unmuted, but for now, I'll start in the courtroom. Good morning. Good
1: morning, Your Honor. Cliff Carlson, a Wild Gotchel on behalf of Core Scientific and its affiliated debtors. Um, here here with me in the courtroom is Alfredo Perez and Austin Crabtree. And then joined on the line is uh, Ray Schrock and Ms. Berkovich.
0: Okay. Good morning. All righty. Uh, let me just see if anybody else wishes to make an appearance in the courtroom, and then I'll open it up, and then I'll turn it over to Mr. Carlson.
1: Good morning, Your Honor. Kieran Vacamudi
2: from Vincent & Elkins appearing on behalf of the Official, Qu- Official Committee of Equity Security Holders. I'm joined today here in the courtroom with my partner Paul Heath and also David Meyer who's appearing virtually for us.
0: Okay. Good morning. Ms. Hardy, good morning.
3: Good morning, Your Honor. Jennifer Hardy of Wilkie-Farr on behalf of the Official Committee of Unsecured Creditors. Uh, also on the line are my partners Brett Miller and Todd Gorin.
0: Okay. Thank good you. morning. Good
4: morning, Your Honor. Ashley Harper of Hunt and Andrews Kurth on behalf of
3: creditors Creditor Sphere 3D Corp.
0: Thank you. Good morning. Okay. Uh, let me open it up. I'm just going to click a few lines here, and then we'll get started. Let's see. Here's a 212
5: number. Uh, yes, Your Honor. It's Ray Schrock with uh, Wild Gushel.
0: Good morning, Mr. Schrock. Good morning. Okay. Here's another 212 number.
5: meyer vincent and elkins uh, on behalf of the equity committee
0: good morning 646 number
5: good morning your honor it's chris hansen with paul hastings on behalf of the ad hoc committee of convertible note holders nice to see you again so quickly
0: good to see you 617 number
5: uh, good morning judge lopez this is
2: john bentola of chode Holland Stewart on behalf of b riley financial
0: okay One more is another two one two number. Oh.
4: Good morning, Your Honor. Bernie Berkovich from Wild for the better.
0: Okay. Good morning. All right. For the lines that have muted, just please monitor yourselves. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Carlson.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. So, Your Honor, we have a presentation we filed on the docket at 1348. I would like to take you through that, if it's okay. And um, I think Mr. Schrock is going to lead things off for us.
0: Okay. Perfect. Uh, let me pull this up uh,
1: got it, Mr. Crabtree should be the presenter
0: Mr. Crabtree is the presenter uh austin Crabtree That's right. All righty, yeah, I got gotcha. you.
5: right, perfect. Uh, Can you hear me okay, Your Honor? Just fine. Okay, great. Uh, Once again, Ray Schrock, Wild Look for the Betters. Thanks for having uh, having us before you this morning. We've tried to put together a short presentation that will help frame up kind of some of the issues and further background about the case. I know you've been doing a lot of reading and then hopefully where we intend to go. Uh, But, Austin, if you could flip the page. Me. We'll uh, try and move through this speedily. I know that, that other parties, I'm sure, want to speak. Um, yeah, so just on the, on the roadmap uh, slide, you know, I'm going to handle the overview and case status. Um, I'm going to turn it back to uh, Mr. Carlson to handle some background on uh, core scientific, and then I believe Ms. Berkovich is going to round it out for some progress during the case and talk about the, a bit of the next steps. Um, You know, in terms of the background, Judge, um, you know, as you know and from reading, you know, this this company was founded in 2017 uh, as blockchain infrastructure, uh, you know, a hosting provider and digital asset mining company. Uh, It's a pretty unique company in that its revenue streams are from Bitcoin and mines for its own account, which we call self-mining, and for providing hosting services to third-party customers. We've built a considerable asset base with approximately 145,000 minders, gained market trust as a hosting uh, provider, and demonstrated a multi-year track. Um, Mining for ourselves, that is generating Bitcoin, is our most profitable business segment, and it's a primary focus of the company's business plan moving forward. We have eight operational data centers in the U.S., Texas, Georgia, Kentucky, North Carolina, and North Dakota, uh, 275 full-time employees. Uh, the company is cash flow positive, well, always has been, uh, before debt service. Uh, you may remember that as we were, uh, when the company initially filed back in November, uh, back in December of last year, we were kind of going through what people call the crypto winter, you know, where the price of Bitcoin and other crypto assets had declined substantially. Um that certainly played a role in, you know, a lot of the events that we'll talk about that were events, you know, leading up to the case. Uh, but, you know, the price of Bitcoin has since rallied, and, you know, and we'll talk about we actually have an official equity committee in this case, and it's our strong belief, you know, there is significant equity value um, in these states, which is, you know, somewhat unusual. Um, now, uh, when we talk about the circumstances leading up to these cases, I would say that you know, there was an increase in power cost that came, you know, through the summer of, uh, of, of last year. We had, um, you know, a dispute with Celsius, which has since been resolved and, and related litigation. Um, there were significant build-out costs for the mining facilities and for the computers and, and all the real estate. Um, we had pretty high equipment financing indebtedness and, and amortization. Uh, and then we had a series of, I would say, challenges in the summer and fall uh, leading up to the case related to equipment financing and then ultimately a cross-default under uh, the convertible notes. And then, frankly, there was just some litigation and other debts that that we were struggling with. And let's go to the next slide. So the key parties you should know, uh, Judge, just to, you know, you'll hear from during the case, the chief executive officer is uh, Mr. Adam Sullivan. I believe he's on camera uh, here for you today, or he should be, you know, uh, available. Uh, our senior vice president of capital markets and acquisitions, Michael Gross, and the chief legal officer is Todd Duchesne. Uh, the chairman of the board is Mike Levitt, and we do have two independent uh, special committee members, Neil Goldman, and Neil and Youngblood, both of which have significant experience uh, in Chapter 11. The other board members are Darren Feinstein, Jarvis Hollingsworth, and Matthew Minnis. Uh, We're, of course, representing the company, PJT, led by John Singh, is the company's investment banker. Alex Partners is the company's financial advisor. Here saw Mr. Hansen, he's the lead for Paul Hastings for the Convertible Note Holder Group. They're senior secured creditors, effectively. Um, MOLUS, uh led by Mr. Brock Klein. The equipment lenders do have an ad hoc group that we've negotiated uh, a settlement with. And the Unsecured Creditors Committee, you've heard uh, from counsel, Ducera is their investment banker. Uh, B. Riley, which is a significant unsecured creditor, as well as the company's DIP lender, is represented by Choate. And the official equity committee, uh, B&E, led by Mr. Meyer and his team, as well as FTI. Judge, the major claims against the company uh, are as follows, and I didn't include the litigation claims in here, but, but you know, I just want to go through this quickly because I think it's helpful. And these amounts are that we're listing here, these are the amounts that are pursuant to the economic terms of the mediated settlement that, that we've reached with Judge Isker. Um, The DIP claims, notably the DIP, which has been, you know, was refinanced out uh, after the initial days of this case, is provided by DRI. We've already paid down, I think, about 21 million of the DIP. There's about 15.5 outstanding. Um, The April and August convertible notes, they were in two tranches, which, you know, have, you know, some you know some importance, just that that we'll talk about and you'll hear about as we move through the uh, the plan process. There's an April uh, tranche of 350, and then an August convertible note tranche of 360. There's minor equipment lender claims, like equipment financing claims of uh, 253, other secured claims, uh, and including some uh, mechanics liens that are at 36. Mortgage claims of about point eight million and then general unsecured claims, uh, of roughly 79 of which B. E. Riley is, is overwhelmingly the largest claim, um, that, that we can see that ultimately would be allowed in our opinion, uh, against the company. So bringing all these parties together has been tough, I would say, uh, in, in our view and, and it's, um, you know there's been a lot of good faith negotiation without breaking mediation privilege and, and all of the things. I think I can fairly say that everybody um, everybody has been participating in the mediation in good faith um, and we've reached an agreement in principle with three of the five stakeholder groups um, on the economic terms the ad hoc group, the equipment lenders and the official committee. Official Equity Committee. Um, B. Riley and the UCC are not there yet, but we're working on it. And our goal is to have a consensual process, but uh, these cases are expensive, and as we'll talk about in the timeline, we really need to keep moving and get this company out of Chapter 11. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of history, you know, we, we had an agreement in principle with equipment lenders in mid-July you know, surrounding their treatment. That was the first constituency that we really were really able to kind of get on board. And on July 12th, we entered mediation with the key stakeholders with Judge Isker. And approximately, you know, two months into that mediation, you know, we had this mediated, you know, the economic terms of the mediated settlement. There was a lot of details still to come from that, um, but it was a big milestone certainly for the company and I think the major stakeholders in this case to get there. Um, We filed a joint notice announcing the mediated settlement. We've had multiple in-person meetings. We've been meeting still over the weekend. Uh, There was a lot of activity between, you know, the the three primary groups and as well as uh, B. Riley. And you know, we are nearing completion and you know, I've had updates as recently as like five minutes before this uh, settlement, uh, before the status conference. And, you know, I think we're quite close, uh, you know, really on kind of the primary terms of a deal. Now, I'm sure others will correct me if they disagree, but uh, we really believe that we're very close and we're going to be in a position to file the plan and move forward here uh, in the very near term, you know, uh, at the end of this month. We're also, just to emphasize it once again, those ongoing discussions with the UCC and B. Riley, they're not on board yet. But we are very hopeful that we will get them on board and we're gonna work certainly work hard at that. But we have to have a base from which to go forward. And that base was really with the equity committee, the converts, and uh and, and the company, as well as the equipment lenders. Let's uh, flip it, please, Austin. So this is um, I would say it's illustrative, but this is the these are the Dates that, that certainly the debtor is striving to meet and that we're working with parties to try and hit. Um, it is, you know, contemplates that, you know, we file an updated plan at the end of this month, um, you know, subject to the court, you know, notice, appropriate notice, and everybody, frankly, getting there, uh, you know, a hearing on the DS and backstop we'd like to have as soon as November 14th. There's going to be uh, a substantial, you know, equity rights um, offering that would be part of this plan, and you know that's going to have to be something that commences shortly after you know the disclosure statement and backstop motion, and then really culminating in a confirmation hearing that that we think could come if we have consensus. Of course, you know, as soon as December 22nd um, of this uh, of this year. Now. I will say, of course, if I were an objecting party, I would say, wait a second, I don't like things that fast, so I'll save them the trouble to say they haven't agreed certainly to that timing, and this is something that we're just telling you that this is what we're working on and this is what we're working toward. But we do think that getting to an effective date in early um, 2024 is very achievable, and frankly, for the company, you know, extremely necessary, because although there is equity value here, the cases are very expensive. Um, you know, the the run rate here is is significant for a company of this size. And, you know, we are, you know, it's a volatile industry. We need to strike while we can, get the company out, and reorganize and move this case forward. Um, you know, the actual dates that, that we end up with here, of course, are, you know, uh, subject to change. We know that other parties are going to have issues that you know they're going to want to, to, to be resolved, but um, as we'll talk about. You know we've made quite a bit of progress during these cases. I mean we really have, and and it is you know we're we believe we're at you know the the last quarter certainly of this uh, of this case, and we're very much looking forward to working with your honor, um, all of the parties, and frankly moving this company out of Chapter Eleven uh, as quickly as possible. So. Unless you have any questions, Judge, uh, I'll turn it over to uh,
1: Mr. Uh, Mr. Carlson from here.
0: No questions. Thank you very much. Sure, Mr. Carlson.
1: So, so Your Honor, these next few slides are just to give you a little more background on the company. Um, This first slide here is just kind of a a stat sheet that shows some some of the financial and operational figures as of um, the end of the third quarter here, September thirtieth. So, the company is headquartered in Austin. As Mr. Shrek mentioned, it's got eight data centers across five different states. Um, currently, operational capacity is at 724 megawatts. The company's business plan contemplates expanding expanding that by an incremental 372 megawatts to get above 1,000 megawatts. Um, to give you a sense of how much mining is, is done on a daily basis, on average, the company is mining approximately 32.1 Bitcoin per day, um, and um, this last this um, self this, this um, energized hash rate is a measure of how much power is needed to actually operate in, in uh, the, the data centers across the country. Um, financially speaking, the company generated a, just under 250 million of revenue during the first half of 2023. So this next slide here shows the eight, where the eight op, um, data centers are located the five states. I think you know we've got a few in Texas, um, one in North Dakota, Kentucky, North Carolina, and, and Georgia here. And each of these these data centers, you know, they both house and provide miners both that um, the company owns and mines for its own account, as well as hosting miners for for customers and. Uh, generating revenues uh, that way as well so then this next slide this slide is is intended to depict how how core actually generates its revenue um, at a later hearing we'd like to have somebody from the company that can really walk you through the nuances of the bit mining process and the industry but just at a really high level here um, so Core operates over 200,000 of these of these miners, which are specialized computers across its data centers. These these computers are used to solve algorithms um, and compete with other miners to solve a puzzle. And if a miner successfully solves the algorithm, it's it's rewarded with Bitcoin. And so there's sort of two two forms of revenue, primary forms of revenue. One is is Bitcoin. It's mining for its own account, and and it's got about 145,000 miners that it uses. And after it, a miner successfully solves an algorithm, it's it's rewarded with a bitcoin, and then the company will sell the bitcoin for cash. In addition, then it has a number of hosting agreements with customers, where it hosts hosts machines for third parties, in in exchange for a fee or a share of the proceeds. And so this far left here showing showing you know it, to actually operate these these facilities um, requires a tremendous amount of power. And so it uses it uses local utility providers to um, to power the facilities, and to give you a sense of like the the breakdown of revenue. It's about seventy percent of their revenue is from self mining, and approximately thirty comes from from payments collected under their hosting arrangements. Um, these next few slides, uh, Ms. Berkovich, are going to walk you through on the on the progress during
0: the cases. Thank you.
4: Good morning, Your Honor. Can you hear me okay?
0: Just fine. Good morning.
4: Great. Um, Great. So, um, this is the timeline. As Your Honor can see, the company filed its Chapter 11 cases at the end of December. Um, Our first day hearing was December 22nd, and according to the calendar Mr. Strachs shared earlier, we'd like our confirmation hearing to be scheduled on December 22nd, exactly a year later. Um, So we've been in Chapter 11 for a while, but that's not for lack of effort. Um, Management has been working very hard along with the professionals to make as much progress as possible. Um, I'd say there are three main reasons that the Chapter 11 um, has taken a while. Um, The first is the change in circumstances in the industry. As Mr. Schrock mentioned, the company filed when Bitcoin prices were really at their lowest in the midst of the so-called crypto winter. Um, very shortly after filing, circumstances changed, um, so much so the company was able to shift within a couple of months from having an RSA that provided the uh, secured lenders with 97% of the company to um, having an equity committee appointed just a few months later. Um, the second reason is the complexity of the particular situation, including, as Mr. Schrock mentioned, the volatility of the industry. And third is the number of parties involved. Um, not only do we have the five main key players that Mr. Schrock mentioned, but six. due to the nature of the company's business, there were a lot of other business relationships that um, led to issues that the company was able to resolve in the Chapter 11 cases, from the general contractors who helped build out the company's facilities, who had mechanics claims to large customers like Celsius. Um, the company is proud of the progress that we have made in the Chapter 11 cases. Um, I'll, I'll touch on a key, a highlight of the key moments in the, in the chapter 11 pieces. Um, next slide, please. So, um, when the company filed, we did so with the deal with the secured creditors, um, holding the convertible note. Um, they were the only party willing to provide much needed DIP, dip loans to the company. And um, to do so, we also entered into an RSA as I mentioned, that, that had a plan and had it coming out of Chapter 11 pretty quickly. Um, very shortly after we filed, there was a dramatic increase in the company's financial situation. Um, first, the price of Bitcoin increased um, dramatically, very quickly. And secondly, um, energy prices, which are a huge um, component of the company's business, uh, also went down. So pretty soon after, uh, the company was able to refinance the dip And uh, ran a new process, Um, the party that came out with the best terms there was C. Riley. And so on February 1st, uh, the court approved a replacement DIP loan um, with C. Riley, who's our largest unsecured creditor, as our DIP lender. The company used the proceeds to pay off the original DIP loan um, and terminated the RSA. That bought the company time to work on a new business plan that reflected the new circumstances and the company quickly turned to do acceptance. So um, over that next few months, the Equity Committee was appointed, Um, the company worked on a revised business plan, and then met with all of the constituents to educate them on the business plan, get their input, um, and um, hope to get a consensual Chapter 11 plan. Um, We ultimately, after many weeks of negotiation, filed a Chapter 11 plan on June 20th. Um, That did not have the support of any... Already at that moment, but we did so to um, push things along, and we proposed at the same time a global mediation. Um, shortly thereafter, we reached our first settlement. Mr. Schrock mentioned this. That was with the group of equipment lenders. Um, they hold, um, as, a, as a, the equipment lenders, as in total, hold about 250 million dollars of claims against the company. And pursuant to the settlement, equipment lenders will have three choices. Each one makes its own choice. It has separate collateral that backs its loans. They can choose the default option, which is what the bankruptcy code entitles them to, which is a take-back secure debt of the value of their collateral and an unsecured claim in the class for the deficiency. Secondly, um, if they don't want take-back debt, they can have their entire claim equitized their choice. And the third choice is the settlement option that the equipment lenders um, negotiated with, with us, which is secured take back that equal to eighty percent of their claims. Um, the terms that take back that were negotiated um, quite heavily and then the key point, the key benefit for the company is that those equipment lenders choosing this option would agree to waive their deficiency claims at twenty percent of their claims. That's resulting in um, more, uh, distributions for other stakeholders. Next slide, please. Those are the, the key terms. Obviously, um, the, there are details beyond that. Um, and then I will, uh, turn it back over to Mr. Carlson to go over the, um next, next slide, please. Oh, sorry, the mediated off-plan uh, settlement. So, um we had mediation starting July, because um, there uh, was a masterful mediator, really um, pushing the parties and coming up with creative uh, suggestions for all of us. Um, we had many meetings with him and without him, um, and uh, we were happy to reach a deal um, in September. We filed a notice in this regard with both the equity committee and the ad hoc group, so the top and the bottom of our capital structure, as well as, the equipment lender deal, which was built in, um, and we are focused on finalizing the terms of that settlement and having them uh, be part of an RSA that we would file, filing a revised plan and disclosure statement that reflect the deal and having a disclosure statement hearing on November uh, 14th, and again, as Mr. Schrock said, continuing discussions with both the Unsecured Creditors Committee and with D. Riley with the hopes of reaching a completely consensual plan.
1: Now I turn it over to Mr. Co. Thank you. So your Honor, um, this next slide here, just wanted to flag a few other you know major settlements and and transactions that the companies entered into that have that are you know liquidity enhancing. Um, the Celsius settlement, which uh, Mr. Schhrek previewed at the beginning, that was a pretty pretty significant milestone in these cases. By far our largest litigation claimant you know asserting over 300 million in claims. And as part of that transaction which has been approved by the court where uh, the company is selling a facility that isn't part of its go-forward business plan and it's expected to generate about 14 million in, in proceeds for the estate um, and you know we expect to close that transaction in, in the near term in addition your honor we've we've entered into and, and gotten court approval of a number of M&M lien settlements where we've we've settled claims um, at a substantial discount in many cases and um, and then finally, Your Honor, we, we the company's entered into a transaction with with Bitmain to acquire 27,000 miners um, for 77 million dollars. Um, you know the benefits there are one we that that will be the bulk of that purchase price will be paid in equity and reorganized core, um, and so the the company will benefit from you know liquidity, and and then number two is that it's it's part of the the company's business plan to expand its operations. Um, And all of that purchase price will be paid post-emergence, and we we intend to file a motion soon just to seek approval of that as well. So this next slide, Your Honor, is intended to just flag a few other pending items that that Your Honor's inherited here. Um, First is exclusivity. We filed a motion to extend exclusivity Um, last week uh, that's supported by the equipment lenders the ad hoc group and the equity committee Um, next we have um, the Harper settlement here this is another M&M lien settlement Um, the motion's been pending we're working through some open issues with the ad hoc group uh, but but hope that we can resolve those and file a certificate of no objection by the end of this week and then wanted to flag your honor we do have a number of claims objections on file um, and just to flag a few that I think are either scheduled for trial or, or ready to be scheduled for a hearing. First is um, is fear. Um, the court had previously entered an agreed uh, scheduling order a few months ago. That's set for trial in, in, in early January. Um, the, the, the parties are working through discovery right now and, and we're marching along there. Um, and then, second, Your Honor, is a securities class action claim. Um, that has been fully briefed. There's an objection. There's also a motion filed by that claimant to um, seek to file a, have a class uh, certification. Um, we're in we're in discussions to try to schedule the hearing with uh, with the claimant's counsel. So we'll be in touch with, uh, with the
0: chambers. How long do you anticipate, or does the scheduling order for the Sphere trial? Is that a yeah? How many days you had scheduled for trial on that?
1: I believe it's a three. It's we've reserved three days for it. Okay. Um, I don't know that we need all <clears> three <throat> necessarily, but that's what we reserve. Okay. Okay. Um, so then turning to the last slide just to talk through next steps and how we see process you know, in the near term here. So we're working to finalize the restructuring support agreement among the debtors, the ad hoc group, and the official equity committee, and we hope to get that finalized by the end of the month. Uh, as well as um, finalize the updated version of our Chapter 1 and Disclosure Statement to have filed by the end of the month as well. Uh, We're also working to, we're in advanced discussions uh, regarding a backstop commitment agreement for our equity rights offering and and are also aiming to finalize that backstop commitment agreement and file a motion um, that we would would ask to have heard with our disclosure statement hearing on November 14th. And then, of course, we'll continue discussions with the with the UCC and B. rally to, to try to get to a, a global settlement.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Your uh, Honor, would you like to Yes, actually. That'd be great. Thank you very much. Thanks for helping out today, too. Okay, Let me open it up. Ms. Hardy.
3: Yes, Your Honor. uh, Jennifer Hardy of Wilkie-Farr on behalf of the Unsecured Creditors Committee. Um, Your Honor, uh, as you heard from the debtors, uh, the the Creditors Committee is not yet part of uh, the multi-part settlement that they've been uh, discussing. Um, One of the main reasons uh, for that is that the Creditors Committee has actually not been wrapped into the mediation discussions. we received a, a term sheet last week. We uh, react, reacted very quickly and um, provided uh, an issues list to the debtors on Friday. So um, we, uh, our main focus here is to ensure that unsecured creditors uh, are paid in full
0: and receive everything that
3: they're entitled to under the code. And so we hope and expect uh, that we will receive meaningful engagement from the various parties uh, on our issues. Uh, so we'll. Look forward to uh, to those discussions, because we agree, uh, like the debtors, that a contested confirmation hearing would not be in uh, any of the parties' interests.
0: OK, thank you. Anyone else in the courtroom wish to be heard?
4: Good morning, Your Honor. Again, Ashley Harper for Sphere 3D. Just to supplement what Mr. Carlson <clears throat> said, um, the parties are marching along uh, pursuant to the scheduling order at Docket 1188. We're in the midst of discovery and there's a meet and confer in fact this afternoon and to the extent that we have um, a need for Your Honor's assistance in resolving any things we can't work past, I uh, just wanted to preview that for Your Honor that we might need to come
0: before you. Okay. Thank you. I, and, and I will let both of you know, I'm, I'll am i be ready to go for the trial on January 3rd. I, I'm not going to, I'll, if you need three days, We'll figure it out. Uh, I, right now, January third, fourth, and fifth work for me. Um, so if y'all need time, and I'm not writing you to it, but I'm just telling you, if those are the three days, I, we will. I'll make it work. Uh, and you know, there may be a couple of moments in there where I have to fit in a couple of other hearings and things of that nature. But I will make those dates work. I will just kindly ask that if something changes over the. Uh, you know, around New Year's, that you let me know, so I'm not preparing on January 1st for your trial. Uh, just let me know as soon as not, but if not, I'll be ready to go. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Let me open it up. Anyone on the line wish to address the court at this time?
2: Uh, your Honor, this is uh, John Vintola on behalf of B. Riley. May I be heard briefly? Absolutely. Thank you, Judge. Um, so wanted to um, give a little more background. B. Riley, as debtor's counsel said, was both uh, one of the debtor's largest unsecured creditors and was also the uh, replacement dip lender here. And as uh, as was said, the replacement dip loan was on much more favorable terms to the estates and we thought really changed the trajectory of the case. Uh, Since the the replacement dip was uh, funded back in February, we've worked very closely with the debtor and their advisors uh, B-Riley has been extremely supportive of the debtor's reorganization efforts um, and have participated in, in good faith throughout the mediation process. Um, I think it's, uh, well, we have to be very mindful of the mediation privilege, Your Honor, and so we're not going to breach any of that. I, I think it's fair to say that we've been a bit disappointed and a bit surprised by the the way the mediation has played out since Judge Disker was first involved, so um very much appreciate the debtors saying that we are not on board and making that clear to the court. Uh, We are certainly open to continue negotiations, Your Honor, which we will do with any party who uh, wants to engage with us. I did just want to say, though, I think as we sit here right now, we are probably a bit less optimistic than the debtors' Council on reaching a deal and just didn't want the court or any parties in interest to be surprised if if we didn't react. So we hope to reach a deal, um, and we will continue to act in good faith at all times. But right now, I think we're a little little skeptical that we will get there um, and don't speak for the creditors committee, but obviously uh, recognize they're not yet on board either. So thank you for the time, Your Honor. Uh, certainly
0: uh, available for questions if you have any. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Yes, Your
5: Honor. Chris Hansen with Paul Hastings on behalf of the Ad Hoc Committee of Convertible note Noteholders. Your Honor, I just wanted to, to note that obviously there are a lot of details beyond the broad economic terms coming out of the mediation that we've been hard at work trying to solve with the debtors and the official equity committee and the other parties in interest over the course of the last many number of weeks. Um, we're getting there. They um, they have on our side primarily run through our mediation steering committee. We have a broader committee that we've been keeping apprised of some of the larger uh, points, but obviously can't discuss with them some of the more narrow points. So we will get there eventually with them we remain hopeful that we can arrive at a consensually filed plan and that we can move this process along quickly to conclusion i think that's in everyone's best interest as mr schrock noted and the entire wild team noted and that's our goal as well um but obviously the terms that we're working through aren't aren't non-economic in the sense that they do have an impact on the economic outcome uh, of everybody's treatment under the plan and again our goal is to get there consensually, um, but if we don't, we stand ready to continue to move forward uh, like we were previously, but hopefully that's
0: not the outcome. Thank you. Anyone else?
5: Your Honor, can you hear me okay? Just fine. Thank you, and I apologize for my voice today, uh, Your Honor. David Meyer, Vincent Elkins, on behalf of the Equity Committee. Um, I, the, the report that the Wild team gave to you uh, uh-huh. is accurate from the Equity Committee's perspective. Um we have worked constructively, proactively and productively with the company and its stakeholders to achieve this result. Um, part of that process, Your Honor, is going to be if the equity committee is helping to diligently organize an equity rights offering that will help fund the company's exit from chapter eleven. And so when the terms of the settlement here are finalized, well, we want to capitalize on that momentum, finalize the capital raise alongside the debtor's management team and work to present that to Your Honor. We're going to aim for the timeline that Mr. Schrock outlined uh, with you all there's a lot of details that still need to be finalized I agree with Mr. Hansen's comments we were on the phone right before this hearing began Um, but we are motivated to finalize the agreement in principle we want to achieve a consensual result for the same reasons that everyone else has outlined here one issue your honor just that you're aware of is the equity committee's professional fees are going to exceed the cap that was initially part of the order establishing the, the committee's mandate expect this is one of several issues that will be presented to your honor as part of a consensual resolution if we get there. But just in these comments to you, I wanted to make sure that we highlighted those points from our perspective um, and where we sit as well. Thank you, your honor.
0: Thank you. Anyone else? So, Mr. Carlson, just one question. In terms of timing for the next time we will meet, I know that you know, proposing November fourteenth. Does that that in stone already, or or is there something that you need to file to trigger that?
1: That is that has been noticed. Um, okay. We will have we will file a motion for conditional approval. Okay. Of, of the disclosure statement, and, and as I mentioned, a motion to approve a backstop.
0: Just get that on file as as quickly as possible, just so people have as much notice as possible. Um, I appreciate the comments. I think this was incredibly helpful for me just to. Um, really really help me get up to speed as quickly as possible and as well as just kind of get to know who's involved in the case and and where things stand and kind of some of the tension points that are there uh but also some of the uh possibilities for a consensual resolution so i'll let the parties get back to to their work we'll see each other in a few weeks i will uh my goal is to make sure that this case stays on whatever pace it wasn't you know scheduled to stay on um you know Parties have their rights, um, but in terms of, you know, I do not intend to slow this case down uh, any bit. So whatever was happening um, before Judge Jones will continue in front of me. And you know, if anyone needs a hearing dates, then just reach out to uh, Ms. Saldana, and we'll 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 get you a date. Um, But I just really want the parties to know I'm working incredibly hard to just make sure um, that the work of the court continues uh, at the same pace that it would have. And it's just um, so I appreciate everyone coming in today. Um, If there's nothing else, see y'all in a few weeks. Great, thank you, Otter. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.